You are listening to the Bridge Community Church Podcast out of Warrington, Virginia. Our church exists to connect you to God, others, and the marketplace. For more information, you can visit us online at bridge4life.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you are blessed by today's message. And again, it's great to see everybody here today. I've asked a guest to come today. This is Dr. Christy Limley. I grew up and pastored in Indiana, and she is from Illinois, so we're sort of, well, Purdue played Illinois, <laughs> but anyway, uh, she is uh, teaching at Ascent College, which I am doing as well. This is our accredited school online here in the Potomac District for people headed into ministry, so uh, I'm doing the Gospels right now. She has just finished. She had to fly in and finish up a course uh, called, let me get it right, uh, Communication for Transformation? Yes. Yes. So she had to fly in and listen to all these students preach yesterday and give them an evaluation on how well their public speaking is. And uh, But anyway, she has a counseling practice in uh, Illinois, has about eight or nine counselors, is really a good communicator, great insight on the word. And so I asked her to stay over an extra day to speak to us today. Would you give a great welcome to Dr. Christy Limley today? Would you do that? Well, good morning, everyone. I want to thank um, Pastor Greg and Lisa for the invitation to be here. Um, I know for a pastor to turn over his pulpit is a pretty big deal, so I appreciate that. Um, And I also learned something else this morning in the first service. The message the Lord has given me, the biblical text, I heard you guys heard this not too recently ago, like last week. So he told me to tell you I can preach it, and it's okay for you to listen to the story. Amen? (laughs) I, I take it a different direction. You know, but what's funny about this is I had a completely different message up to two weeks ago. And the Lord just shifted it and changed it. And in my, my prayer time with him in the morning, he's like, you know what, Christy? I, I want you to preach on this. And honestly, I travel and preach. I'm ordained as an evangelist. So I don't usually go to the church's website and see what they preached the week before. But I'm thinking I just might need to do that now or at least let the Lord know, hey. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. He said I can preach it to the second service, so we're good, because I'm not quite sure I would have done if he would have said, you got to find something else. But pivotal moments, we all have them in our life, don't we? Pivotal moment of saying yes, and I do, at the altar. Or maybe a pivotal moment of a child being born. Maybe a pivotal moment of hearing a, a cancer diagnosis. Maybe a pivotal moment of a child that has walked away from the Lord. But we also have pivotal moments on a daily basis. A pivotal moment of, am I going to walk in peace and be content? Or am I going to allow fear and anxiety or stress to take over? Or maybe even a pivotal moment of, maybe in your grief, that taking over as opposed to, to giving it to the Lord and having him help you. But we all have pivotal moments. And so today, the Lord has a word on pivotal moments 
for us. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you right now, and Lord, I thank you for who you are. Father, I thank you that you knew every person who was going to be sitting in these seats. Father, I thank you that me preaching this message is no accident. Father, I thank you that you know their thoughts, where they are, what, what they face. Father, I pray that you would open eyes that they may see, ears that they may hear, heart may be open to receive. And Father, I come against any plan of the enemy to steal the word that was planted. And Father, I pray for an open heavens that the Holy Spirit would just flow and flood down on us, Lord, that lives would be transformed today, that, Father, they would leave different than how they came in. And, Father, we will give you the thanks and the praise and the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the story I'm going to talk about is Jairus, (laughs) but I'm talking about it from Mark 5. So picture this. There's a wealthy man that you guys have already heard about, but he goes, his daughter is sick, and he goes to, he hears Jesus is coming, he sees Jesus, and you know that he falls down at the feet of Jesus, and he pleads with him, Jesus, come with me. I know if you lay hands on my daughter, she will live. And so Jesus begins to walk with him, and in that situation, Another thing happens. Somebody else falls at him, touches the hem of his garment, and is healed. And and Jesus is like, who has touched me? Now, if you're like me, being Jairus, if I'm waiting to get back to a family member that needs a touch of the Lord, that is desperate, that only God can do, and we're being delayed, I don't know if you're like me, I'd be like, can we hurry this up? Can, can we go? Like, I, I know she is one of your children, too, and I'm very thankful, but she was healed. Can we keep going? Like, there's not much time because there was a desperation to Jairus. And so they go through the situation, and the lady is healed, and a couple people come to Jairus and say, don't bother the teacher anymore, for your daughter is dead. I mean, in that moment, what do you think he must have been thinking? What do you think he must have been feeling in that moment to hear those words that no one wants to hear? And as he's receiving this news, I love what what the scripture says. It says, overhearing but ignoring, Jesus comes to Jairus and says, don't be afraid. Just believe. And again, they begin walking. And they walk to Jairus' home, and there's all this wailing and crying. And, and back in those times, they would, have had, they would have hired people to help them grieve. So we know with Jairus being a wealthy man because he was the, one of the leaders in the synagogue, so he was wealthy. So that means he would have hired more people to help him grieve. And so when they go back and there's all this grieving, these loud noises going on and people crying out, Jesus is like, what's going on? Like, what's all this commotion? She's not dead, but just asleep. 
I mean, can you imagine as Jairus going, I don't know what's about to happen. I have hope, and, I, and I'm believing that something. But, you know, these people are crying, and Jesus is saying she's not really dead. She's just asleep. And then they go in, and Jesus removes the people from the house. And the only ones who can go into the room with a little girl are Jairus, his wife, and Jesus, and Peter, James, and John. And as they go in to this room, Jesus says to the little girl, get up. And instantly she gets up and is healed. What a powerful story from coming from death to life. But I believe there were three pivotal moments in this story that could have ended in a different result. Jairus had three pivotal moments that he had to make a decision. And this first pivotal moment is when he fell at the feet of Jesus. Scripture in Mark 5 says, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Like here is Jairus, his heart was being torn out. His daughter may not live. And he was desperate. He was desperate for Jesus to come and to heal her. Like he wasn't thinking, this is my plan A or my plan B. This was it. This was his last hope. He was desperate. He didn't necessarily know how it was going to turn out, but he was so desperate, he just went to Jesus anyway. And in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us approach God's throne with grace and confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, you and I face this pivot moment in our life also. When we're faced with a situation that only God can take care of. And in this pivotal moment, we have a decision that we can make. We can either fall at his feet and be so desperate for him and say, Jesus, you are my source. You are my only source. There is no plan B. And if you don't move, Nothing is going to happen. She's going to die. And in our life, approaching this pivotal moment of we either are going to fall at the feet of Jesus or we're not. So what are some reasons that we don't fall at Jesus' feet in desperation? Have you ever been disappointed by the Lord? You'll see it, I tell on myself as I go through this, as, as I speak. Have you ever been disappointed? Like you've been praying about something. Maybe you've been praying about somebody to be healed and they died anyway. Maybe you've been praying about a job and it's been four months and there's still nothing. Maybe you've been praying for a child that has lost their way and they're not coming back. And so maybe you've been disappointed by God. That is one of the reasons that keeps us from fully being engaged with Jesus. I know in my life, back in 2010 and 2011, I did a church plant. 
I went to a city. The Lord led me there. And for a year, I poured my life into this city. But the church plant never got off the ground. And I was devastated. I was like, Lord, why would you ask me to do something and then not give life to it? Why would God, why would you ask me to do this and then allow a situation to break me? So in that pivot moment in my life, I pulled back from God. Have you ever done that? And I pulled back and I cried out to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, what's going on? And he shared with my heart that the reason I was broken was because of my expectations. They weren't what I thought the situation should look like. And since it didn't match up to what I wanted it to, that I thought it should, I became broken. And in that process, I pulled back. Like, I thought all my hopes and dreams for ministry were over. And so I pulled back. Now, I still went to church. I still believed in Jesus. But he didn't have my whole heart anymore. And I'm wondering if there are just some of you in here today that find yourself at that place where you've been disappointed because a prayer wasn't answered. You're at that pivotal moment where I want to encourage you to re-engage all that you are with Jesus. Because then when I went back to the Lord and the Lord revealed to me, Christy, You're not called to pastor. And I knew that. Like, I'm like, Lord, how can somebody plant a church and not pastor it? Like, come on. Like, you know, that's the way it normally happens. But I knew God hadn't called me to pastor. I'm ordained as an evangelist. Like, and I know sometimes plans can change, but in my heart, that hadn't. And the Lord was like, Christy, I just called you there to speak life over it. And so for a year, I plowed ground. I spoke life. And the Lord's like, you did what you were supposed to do. But it was your expectations that broke you. And within a year of me leaving, somebody else came and planted, and now there's a church. (laughs) But sometimes it's our expectations that keep us, that God doesn't meet our expectations of what we wanted or what we thought, and then we pull back. But I think another reason we don't fully engage is because sometimes we're a little too self-sufficient. Anybody? I'll raise both hands. Okay? I am very analytical. I am a counselor. Like, I like to know the whole plan ahead of time. And I like it to be wrapped up and nice with a bow, you know? Like, I don't like surprises. I like things to be... And, you know, there are some times when we're praying about something or we need to make a decision, if we're not feeling led by the Lord, we we tend to go, okay, Lord, well, since I didn't hear anything, I'm going to go ahead and take over now. Thank you very much. Right? And we do that. And what happens is we become self-sufficient. And in our self-sufficiency, we don't fall at his feet in desperation. And oh, how in that pivotal moment, when we go down our path, anybody in here ever have a situation that they've regretted? 
Well, when we go down our path, then there is more heartbreak, then there's more pain, then, there's, then we've got to back back up and apologize, repent, and then we find ourselves back in that pivotal moment. So as pivotal moment number one, Jairus decided that he was giving it all to Jesus. He was laying everything, that burden, whatever it was or is that is on your heart, I just want to encourage you to give it all, to lay it down at the feet of Jesus and to be desperate. Psalm 34, 17 through 20 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are grieved in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Friends, God is near to the brokenhearted. He is near to us who have burdens. And he says, come to me who are tired and weary and I will give you rest. And so you just might be at that pivotal moment. And can I urge you today to choose Jesus the lover of your soul, the one who came birth as a baby, who died on a cross for our sin, who was resurrected and now sits at the right hand of God. Can I say that he loves you so much that his heart and his passion is for you to know him more and for him to respond to what you need? Not what we want, but what you need This is a Savior who loves you, and he doesn't want to be one resource, but he wants to be your source of life. See, the enemy comes, he kills, steals, and destroys, but Jesus comes so that we may have life and have life in abundance. So I want to encourage you to lay it all at the feet of Jesus, to be desperate knowing that if he doesn't respond, Things won't move. So how do we choose Jesus? How do we do that? Well, if you read the Psalms, you read David's emotions are all over the place. Like I'm a counselor and I would probably teach him some emotion regulation at times. You know, but he pours out his heart to Jesus. Lord, I'm scared. I'm angry. I'm sad. The Lord wants to hear everything that you're feeling and thinking. He knows it anyway. So just go to him with it. He wants you to be real and transparent and honest with him. He wants you to cry out. He wants you to pray without ceasing. He wants you to be desperate because he's desperately in love with you. See, if Jairus didn't make this first decision on this path, this pivotal moment, if he didn't fall at the feet of Jesus, he would have never had his daughter live in the end. And so I'm wondering if there's some of you in here who you don't have your miracle answered yet because you haven't fallen at the feet of Jesus. Pivotal moment number two occurs when the two men come to tell Jairus that his daughter is dead. And in that moment in Mark 5, 36, it says, overhearing or ignoring what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. 
Like, could you imagine what was going through Jairus's head? And he's in this pivotal moment where he can tell Jesus, forget it. It's too late. It's over. Thanks for wanting to come with me, but forget it. Or the other pivotal moment was to listen to the voice of truth that says, don't be afraid, just believe. Where well, Jairus chose that voice of truth, and he continued walking with Jesus. See, from the beginning, when Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus, Jesus started walking with him. He continued walking with him on this path. See, what I love is that Jesus says in John 10, my sheep know my voice. And they don't follow after another because they follow after my voice. So can I ask you a real personal question today? What voices are in your head? See, we have the voice of the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We have the voice of the enemy that sometimes says, Jesus loves other people, but he just can't love you. Sometimes we hear the voice of the enemy of, nothing's going to change. Why bother? Sometimes we may hear the voice of our past. Maybe the voice of a parent who maybe wasn't the nicest to us, of saying we'll never amount to anything. Maybe we hear the voice of somebody who maybe has abused us. Maybe we hear our own voice of insecurities and shame that says, how can God love me after everything I've done? What voice is grabbing your attention from the voice of truth? See, Jairus, in this pivotal moment, decided to listen to the voice of truth. And friends, we must also. We must listen to the voice of truth instead of all these other voices that that can become very loud. Amen? These voices sometimes are so loud, they're almost deafening, and we don't understand. We don't know how we can shut them up and listen to the voice of truth. But as a counselor... I'm here to say today that you can choose what you think about. And yes, I'm sure I'm getting some looks, which is what I normally get in my counseling office when I tell somebody they can control what they think about. It's this dumbfounded look like, what? I can? You mean I don't have to think every thought that comes in my brain? No, you don't. It takes seven seconds to think on a thought before it starts getting deep within you. So if you have a thought that comes in, you don't have to continue thinking about it. So how do we hear the voice of truth alone? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments. Are there ever an argument going on in your head? Do you ever replay situations? Do you ever have um, conversations that have yet to be going on in your head? Okay. Here's how we do that. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let that sink in, friends. What what do we do 
We have the word and we have our thought. Does our thought line up to what the word of God says? Does that thought line up to who God says that we are in him? Does that thought line up to God's love for us? And if it doesn't, we cast it down and we throw it away and we say, I am not going to think about that anymore. I had a lady come into my counseling office one time and said, Christy, do you know I had to do that about a thousand times in one day? And I said, yes, I can imagine. Because if you're not used to thinking about what you're thinking about, it can be kind of intimidating. (laughs) And that also just goes to show that sometimes we just allow our thoughts to run away instead of bringing them to the obedience of Christ. Paul also says, so if we're going to pull down a thought, our mind, we were not made to be mindless. Right? Like, we were not made for our minds to think nothing unless we have not had enough sleep, which then sometimes that has happened. So if we pull thoughts down, we have to put something in its place. And Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, think on what is lovely, true, pure, righteous. So if our mind can't think two thoughts at the same time, and we don't want to think negative thoughts, we have to think on good thoughts, Right? We have to think and and remind ourselves who we are in Jesus. We have to um, focus on what is good and not what is bad. or, Or think about what we don't have compared to what we do have. Amen? You know, another thing that I encourage people to do is a thought stopping technique. That the minute you start thinking thoughts you don't want to think, to tell yourself, stop. Pull it down and put in a God thought. And that's pivotal moment number two. Jairus had to do that. He had to pull down the voices of those who spoke death to hold on to the voice of truth that said, just believe. Just believe. You know, I'm sure there are many in this room because I know you're like me. That there are times I have gone off track. Because I've allowed the voices to be too loud in my head. Instead of hanging on to the voice of truth. Pivotal moment number three. Occurs in Mark 40. When Jesus says, the daughter is not dead, she's just sleeping. It said, but they laughed at him. After he put them out He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. So pivotal moment number three, Jesus steps in and removes the doubt and the distractions. See, what I love about this story is that if we fall at Jesus' feet in desperation and we begin to hear and hold on to the voice of truth, then when it comes to our doubt and unbelief, Jesus can just remove it. Amen? See, the first two parts are are more on us, like our choices. But when it comes to that pivotal moment, Jairus could have said, no, Jesus, again, forget it. They're laughing. They think we're nuts. You know, forget it. But no, he just continued to believe, and Jesus removed the doubt from the room. Like, wow. Jesus stepped in and took over. And I think for us, we are sometimes in those pivotal moments. And Hebrews 11.6 says, 
And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. We must believe that because I don't know about you, but I don't know how to remove my own doubt. Like if I could figure that out, I wouldn't have any. (laughs) Right? But I don't know how to remove it, but Jesus does. And in that pivotal moment when we choose the route with Jesus, when we continue to walk with Jesus, and again, I love that ever since Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus, Jesus walked with him. He walked with him through the situation. He never left his side. He walked with him. And he does the same thing with us. When we fall at his feet and we're desperate and we say, only you have the answer, Jesus, then Jesus walks with us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. You know, there's a story about a father who had a son that was demonic, and and the father goes to Jesus, and he says, I have a son. Will you deliver him? Will you heal him? And the father tells Jesus, it has often thrown him in the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help. Jesus says, if I can, if I can, I am willing. Everything is possible to him who believes. Friends, in this pivotal moment, the father said, I do believe, help my un." See, in this pivotal moment, number three, what we must remember is only the Lord can take our unbelief. Only the Lord can remove doubt and remove distractions from seeing him alone in what is possible. So how how do we have him do this? You can tell I'm a counselor because I never speak about something without telling you how to do it. Because if you're like me, you're like, okay, that sounds good, but how do I do that? And so how do we allow Jesus to remove doubt? Because it must be removed from the room. Amen? We must speak life over our circumstances. We must speak, you know, Scripture says that blessing and curse come out of our mouth. And are we speaking life or are we speaking death? And the more that we speak life over a situation the more that our doubt is going to be removed. Now, I'm not talking about name it and claim it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about speaking the promises of God on who we are in him and who he is, not in us trying to get something from him, but to remove doubt that is within us. We also can quote scripture throughout the day. I don't know if you've ever done this, but there have been times that I've been discouraged or maybe afraid or maybe just down a little bit. You know, I I hear stories after stories um, of of people's lives, and there are some times that I just need to stir up the fire like Paul told Timothy, and I I need to remind myself of who God is. And so quoting scriptures is a good way to do that. You know, put them on your phone, your computer, Put scriptures around you so that you can read them throughout the day, and that helps remove doubt. Another thing that we can do is praise and worship. 
You know, there was a a time when God had called me into full-time ministry, and I lost all my friends. Kind of got kicked out of my church because I was a different denomination. And my husband about left me. He said, I didn't marry a minister. And so there was situations going on, and my heart was broken. But the Lord gave me a promise that he would make everything new and that everything was going to be okay. But during that time, and I'll just say it was okay, my husband cried out to Jesus, and a miracle happened for my husband, Um, just a powerful thing. And the next day, he's like, let me tell you what Jesus did. And I'm like, couldn't I at least witness that, Jesus? Like, I've been praying for that, you know, for eight months to a year, and I couldn't witness this miracle. But God did a miracle, and my husband is one of my biggest um, supporters and protectors. We do ministry together. I couldn't do what I do without him. But in that moment, when my heart was broken, like I would turn on worship music and I would be so broken that I couldn't even speak. Have you been there? And I just turned on the worship music and tears would come down and I would just say, Lord, this is coming from my heart. You know I can't speak it right now, but Father, this is my heart's cry. And within 10 or 15 minutes, the tears would be drying up and then I would be praising and singing and but that's what happens when we come into his presence with praise and thanksgiving and we worship him we are changed our doubt is removed amen the pivotal moment will you remove doubt from your life imagine you were Jairus Would you have chosen these three different pivotal moments the same way he did? Are you desperate, so desperate for God that you're just falling at his feet and walking with him? Are you like Jairus and holding on to the voice of truth instead of the voices around him? And are you like Jairus that you are willing that the Lord would move remove doubt so that you can see the impossible become possible. Because remember, the miracle wouldn't have happened without the pivot moment, number one. And all through our lives, we have these pivotal moments, some big, some daily. And you and I have the choice in these pivotal moments. But I'm telling you, we won't see the miracle without being on our knees and crying out to Jesus. Will the worship team come up? You know, this whole scene reflects how when Jairus came to Jesus, Jesus didn't, the Bible doesn't record any words that Jesus said to Jairus. He just went with him. Sometimes the Lord doesn't need to say a word to us. We just need to know he's with us. We need to know his presence never leaves us. And that's what happened with Jairus, with Jesus. He walked with him and stayed with him. There are some of you in pivotal moment number one. See, the whole scene reflects going from death to life. And that's what happens when we give our heart to Jesus and ask him to come in. We go from death to life. And so there might be some of you in here this morning that you've never called upon the name of Jesus and it's time. Your heart has been burning within you. 
And there are some of you who maybe have been a little self-sufficient or a little disappointed by God. And, and you might be at this moment where you're like, I have to fully come back and give everything back to Jesus. Give him my whole heart once again. Or you might be in pivotal moment number two. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus, but the voices have gotten so loud because maybe the time frame has been long between what you feel like God has promised or spoke to you to today. And maybe it's time that you just have to turn off those voices, pull those voices down and hear the voice of truth and what he has to speak to you today. And some of you are in pivotal moment number three, that you've been crushed by fear, disappointment, depression, and maybe it's time to believe for the impossible. The possible of a child being freed from addiction. The possibility of God providing. The possibility of inner healing with things that you've been struggling with. But I'm here to say to you today that in pivotal moment number three, I want to encourage you as pastor comes up and begins to pray, that you would just ask the Lord to remove doubt from your heart, that you would begin to see the impossible become possible before your very eyes. Can you imagine what would happen if each one of us in this room allowed God to be God and could see the impossible become possible? Imagine what would happen in this community if they began to see the power of the gospel demonstrated in your life and in multiple lives. Stand with me, if you will, as a pastor comes to pray. Come on, I'll lower this place. Will you just take a minute and lift your hands this morning for about 30 seconds? And I want, to pr I want you to praise him that he's a God who's there in the pivotal moments. Come on, 30 seconds, man. Let's lift our hands and let's praise him right now.